at no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Well, as always, we're talking more about me than our guests and the rational thoughts, but that's why bringing the guests on the show so we can actually learn something and get something out of it. So make sure you click below, subscribe. Uh, we've got show notes. We've got some freebies, a lot of good stuff there. Um, our guest has got a very long LinkedIn profile, but he wanted me to give you this, this summary because I think he's going to be a, a guy that gives us nice bullet points here. Um, he currently lives in Tamarindo, Costa Rica, beautiful place. He's got his PhD in business. He teaches economics at the university level, has a consulted company for 30 years, serial entrepreneur, and has authored 11 books. So without further ado, let's bring on our guest, Bill Shaka Khan. what he calls Shaka. How you pronounce your last name? Shaka. Shaka. Bill Shaka. So, Bill, what a, what a resume, man. You've, you've been around the world and you live in the world. Um, how did you get involved in the, in the world of being a serial entrepreneur in business? You know what? I don't know uh, because I have to tell you, my mother and father grew up during the Great Depression and they never thought the Depression ended. Uh, I mean, they thought the Depression was going on in the 80s during those rock and roll Reagan years, during the yeah. dot-com uh, uh, um, uh, thing in the, in the late 90s. They never thought the Depression ended. So I'm not quite sure. And I'm an only child. Uh -huh. So somewhere along the line, my father said to my mother, we're not doing this anymore. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I don't know how I became a serial entrepreneur, but I did. I owned a bowling yeah. center. I owned a chain of donut shops. I screen parlors a textbook resale company, a, a company that charged recharged toner cartridges, plus my consulting company, which had so many different revenue streams. So you're one of the few few professors who actually has world experience in business. Y yes. And you know what? That's, That's what made my teaching of economics sexy. The yeah. students loved it when I could roll up my arms, show them the scars. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Because it wasn't just theory. I mean, you, you know, I mean, let's face it. I, I've had some economics professors that were as dry as rat dung. Uh, from the first day I got them involved with, here's what you could do with this stuff. This stuff's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. Me. I've um when I, I went to school and studied radio, mm -hmm. TV, and film, and every single professor except one had no practical experience in media. There was one guy <laughs> that owned his own production company. And that was the most interesting course I had. There you, know, you go. Here's what you learned. Now go and apply it. Now here's what we did when we shot the Blues Brothers. Oh, really? You're on the cell? Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. That'd be fun. <laughs> you know, almost as fun yeah. as an ice cream parlor, I guess. I don't know. Uh, How do you yeah. manage an ice cream parlor without eating eating too much of the product? Well, who the hell said I didn't? At the time, I was 285 <laughs> pounds. I had, I had 150 employees. A good number of them were Indian. And I was complaining to one of them about my weight. And he said to me, Boss, don't worry about a thing. You are built like a god, but it's Buddha. <laughs> the happy Buddha. Yeah. Yeah. I um I fell into the uh hey, I'm gonna buy some of those vending machines and get some residual income for a while. And you know, I had a you know a route that I'd go with and drop about 12 machines, and yeah, you know, I just have one, just just one, just to keep my drive going. Maybe one more, right? And then by half a box later, yeah, I gained a few pounds with that stuff. It's yeah, dangerous. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Dangerous business. So, of all the businesses you've you have had over the years, which has been your favorite one? My consulting business. Ah, uh, that's a long. Which I now took uh, into social media. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I love training. I love leadership training. I love management development. I love yeah. sitting with young executives and watching yeah. the light bulb go on. Right. It's really cool stuff. What type of what kind what kind of things are they bringing to the table that you just like smack your head and go, where did you learn that? What do you, what do you got to unlearn? Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's not as bad as it was a few years ago when mm -hmm. the first generation of uh, millennials came through. Mm -hmm. uh, the next generation of millennials that are out now, they're valuing this. And by this, I mean gray hair. <laughs> I know uh, they're, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're starting to see the, that, you know what? If somebody is wiser than me, I can learn from them. Yeah. And I think what I'm seeing here is a transformation. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, individuals viewed technology as the answer. Yeah, now right. I'm seeing a turnaround. Like when I was growing up in the 80s, technology is what gets you to the answer quicker. Mm -hmm. The steam shovel is not the answer. The steam shovel does what 50 men and shovels can do much faster. Kind sure. of the same thing. And people yeah. are starting to realize that. Yeah. Uh, a, a tool is not a solution, especially if it's applied improperly, right? It's, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very good strength. Um, all right. So the consulting business, 30 years doing that. Um, what type of businesses do you consult with? Yeah, all of them. All of them. Uh, I, you know what? I have um, small mom and pop restaurants on my client list, and I did business with Air Products, which is a Fortune 20. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security did a lot of work with them. The U.S. Army did a lot of work with them. And, you know, it, I, I, it's funny. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting in front of fairly high ranking Army people. And I didn't even make it to Tenderfoot as a Boy Scout. So I thought, <laughs> I thought, how am I going to get along with these people? We got along famously. Yeah, I um, we have a different lot of clients in our author business. We ghostwrite books for people, and my favorite clients are athletes and veterans because they they do what they say they're going to do. They show up on time, and they're still humble enough to learn. At least that's been my experience. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, and humility is such an important part of learning. Yeah, uh, you, know, you know, humility is strange. Just when you think you have enough of it, you lose some. So, <laughs> by its very nature, right? Yeah, so it's like, yes. I'm humble up. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> so, obviously, this author brand show, we like to talk about executives and business owners who've authored books, and you've authored 11 books. So, I don't know if we have time to go through all 11, but give me the top two or three you've done and tell me about them. I'm not even sure I remember all 11. Well, uh, so I don't think we're going to go through them. Uh, the first book I wrote uh, back about nine years ago was called Gold's Book. What I did is I took the scientific formula for goal setting, that being the definition of success, progressive realization of worthwhile, predetermined personal goals, and yeah. then the goals process of smart, uh, the smart goal process, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, timely. And I added another T called tangible. And I turned every one of them into a chapter. But you know what? I found the book boring, dry, uneventful. So I turned it into a novel. I, I'm also the author of five horror novels. I, I, uh, I published them under a pseudonym because they are fairly graphic, uh, fairly sexual, and I didn't want it associated with my, uh, my right. uh, leadership site. So, yeah. so I, I, and I didn't turn the goal setting book into a sexual graphic horror novel, but I did turn it into a novel. A <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should try that. But I did turn it into a novel where a CEO took a young business professional and sent him to different people 
every person representing specific measurable attainable real. and every chapter was a thread when you finish the book the thread is woven into a tapestry of goals. Oh, nice wow i found that it did pretty well so i wrote a sequel to gold's book that i very originally called gold's book two and uh <laughs> those are the first two books that i wrote wow Okay, so yeah, definitely, definitely send me a link to put in the show notes below here. People want to get that book. I, I'm curious about it already. I want to read it. I had on a um, a, um, a New York Times bestselling author just the other day, and he's written both fiction and nonfiction. He came up with his very first fiction book, and it was a great, great book. And we talked a lot about the the idea of storytelling and how nonfiction authors need to read more fiction to make their stuff work better. What do you think yes. about that? Absolutely. I've been reading, I've been reading, I, I've read primarily in horror and science fiction, although I have read some drama, uh, but I've been reading for 30, 40 years. And I will tell you, uh, one of the things is that I have incorporated into my nonfiction writing is the idea of storytelling, uh, conversational language. And right. I, I find it to be just superb. As a matter of fact, I've been using Dragon very recently, Dragon speech recognition. Yes, because right. I like to talk uh, to individuals. No, really? I can't I can't see that when you. No, no, really? Oh, really? You're kind I'm of a shy sorry, guy. Really <laughs> I, so I talk to the computer and it's been working. Do you okay? Here's a question for you. I've tried that before and I end up like trying to edit as I write. And I know you shouldn't do that because I'm like looking at the mistakes there and it, it bothers me. How do you? How do you manage it? How, how long do you record when you do that? I, I could record for 40 minutes or so. Wow. But actually, uh, using something like Dragon is you, you got to get the hang of it. I'll give you an example, period, new paragraph. This is kind of the way you have to talk, comma, when you're speaking in Dragon, uh -huh. period. Yeah, new paragraph. Got it. Uh, so, yeah, I've done, <laughs> I've done that a few times before. But, yeah, I got to stop looking, I guess. You look at the screen, you do it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, it's no video. Uh, I mean, sometimes I'll actually record into Camtasia just to see what I look like. And uh, I, I got to get Photoshop, see if I could take a half an inch off the nose, but until then. Uh, oh, it's classic. <laughs> it's not as bad as uh, Lawrence of Arabia where Anthony Quinn had that hawk thing on it. That was coming out like, yeah. a, like Pinocchio, you know, you're, you look good. It's a Roman. That's right. So um, 11 books. I love the fact that it's, uh, um, yeah, we do a little fictional fictionalization of a, uh, of a business book that's that's a good idea why do you think it's so important to embed stories or storytelling in how we communicate you know you know what Doug? that's an excellent question uh, a lot of individuals feel as if nobody wants to hear what they went through a lot of individuals feel as though it's self-serving and i was one of them for years me too yeah you got to get out of that man people want to hear about your struggles People want to hear about your successes. Yeah, look, I had a chain of donut shops and a chain of ice cream parlors. I brought a partner in that I never should have brought in. Uh, one day he was gone. So was $400,000. I had to put everything into bankruptcy. I lost $1.2 million in uh, real estate, lost three, dollars $400,000 in cash. I lost my family over it. I was living in my grandparents' house, which had a list price of $33,000 on it. Not exactly... Buckingham Palace. Guess what? People want to hear about that. And they want to hear how you dug your way out. Because as you're talking about it, they're thinking, ah, that vending route that went out of business. How can I have, 
Aha, yes. Roll up your sleeve. Show people your scars. Mm -hmm. Let them learn from it. But you got to do that cognitively. It's got to be a conscious. Yeah. I I used to be in real estate. And uh, at that time in my life, everything worked for Doug. I had a clean record. Nothing bad happened to me. I taught real estate investing. And uh, I did okay with it, right? You know, I had a few, uh, a couple million bucks in property. And when everything collapsed in 2008, you know, 19 foreclosures, bankruptcy, depression, all that jazz, that's when my story got not just interesting, but I'm going to use the word relatable because people can't relate to like, oh, the 20 year old who made a billion dollars. Oh, that's cool. Well, I'm not 20. It doesn't help me out. It's interesting, but not helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think it's probably part of the people like to see those struggles for the relatability, um, for maybe just to validate their own failings. I don't know. Honestly, I mean, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time on YouTube uh, researching yeah. different types of videos on on metaphysics and success and things like that. Yeah. And every so often one will pop up. Hi, let me show you how this 19-year-old became a millionaire. I said, please, please, sure. please. Listen, before you tell me how you became a millionaire, go through puberty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll show you some real struggles. Yeah. <laughs> try go try going to prom with a big old zit right in your forehead see how that goes for you buddy yeah 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 look at unicorn yeah 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 wow okay so um all right so i love this book idea and then you've been but you beat that so much was this all at the same time give me the lineage on the the you know owning several several businesses and teaching and writing you do was there overlap on two or all those? How does that work time-wise? Well, kind of. I mean, I've been teaching at the university level. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say how long, but my first book was uh, actually a scroll. Uh, I mean, I, I've been teaching economics. It was, since it was on papyrus. Got it. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so from 1982 until like 2017, yeah. I was teaching. Uh, from 2005 until 2017, I actually accepted a full-time professorship at Penn State University where I was okay. teaching economics and leadership, et cetera. Most of before that, it was adjunct. Uh, So that was going on. I had the donut shops and my other businesses starting in 1993 up until 2006. Then they kind of flipped and became part-time when education became full-time. Got it. Okay. Uh, Left everything in 2017, uh, came to Costa Rica. I wrote a book called Provocative Leadership, which I wanted to turn into a one-week seminar. Uh, Nine o'clock to one o'clock in the classroom, one o'clock out in the rainforest, on the ATVs and the catamaran. Then that was in 2000 and um, maybe uh, 2019, I moved down to Costa Rica. Then it took me a year to get it going. Then uh, then COVID hit. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And in 2020, I lost 85% of my revenue. So I needed to become, uh, I had to reinvent myself. I figured out how to use Zoom. I figured out how to use GoToMeetings. And I yeah. started to do classes online. And that didn't even help. Not when you're in Costa Rica, because the internet service here is basically two tin cans and a wire. So, oh. so the end result is I, um, I I moved everything to social media. I've got nine class. You've actually frozen on me. There you are. I'm still uh, here. Uh, I've moved everything to social media. I've got nine courses on social media. I'm moving my books to social media. I'm figuring out how to use sales funnels. And, uh, you know, I'm just doing it again. So you just keep on going. You know, man, you know, your philosophy of life, you have to be like a Timex. You have to just take a licking and keep on ticking. Keep on ticking. Only we understand that <laughs> reference, I think. It's got an old one. Um, oh, yeah. For those of you that are too young to remember that, that was the commercial during the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, why Tamarindo? I've been there. I, I know I would go there. I mean, are you a surfer or what was the appeal? No, I'm, I'm not a surfer. Uh, I, I like the fact that I'm about 10 minutes away from a dozen different beaches. Yeah. And I hit the beaches every day. I, I like mm -hmm. to walk walk the beaches. Yeah. And I walk four or five miles a day. Uh, yeah. So I'm happy with that. Now, if you ask me, is Costa Rica the final spot? I don't know about that. I did a lot of work in Thailand. Thailand is starting to open up. And I'm starting to look at Koh Phangan. I'm starting to look at Koh Samui as a final resting ground. Well, Phuket's open right now. I've, I've been to Thailand about 20 times. I love it there, like almost like I'm like Costa Rica, but, you know. Yeah, I've been there 10 times. I love it. But I know Phuket's open now, and I'm thinking of actually going there and spending two weeks in one of the hotels for um, whatever uh, quarantine thing. Yeah. Yeah, being quarantined yeah. in a hotel in Koh Phuket is not exactly bad. Yeah, I mean, my son got me interested in Muay Thai when I, when I was there. And it's, uh, um, he's, he's big into boxing now. He's one of the few people that has met some of the – some of the top guys in Muay Thai here in, in the States. So it's been good. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right. So yeah, Tam Tamarino is beautiful. Um, so are the teaching, the, the teaching you're doing is it for any size businesses, is there a specific problem that, that comes up more frequently than others that you address? You know, that, that's an interesting question. Also, if you asked me that question years back, I would yeah. say it was something like delegation is one issue. Uh, uh -huh. If you ask me several years after that, I'd say, well, I'm hearing a lot about time management and stress management and work-life integration. What I'm, I'm, I'm getting now from young executives is they are looking for the sage on the stage. They are looking for the individual that can just give them information. And, you know, I, I'm finding myself doing a lot more talking. Uh, to younger executives, and they're listening, and then they go, ha, got that. I needed that. And then they'll listen a little while longer, they'll say, ha, got that. I needed that. And they'll jot it down. Uh, and it's got me wondering, what the hell are they teaching in business school anymore? If, if this stuff, which is basically business and management and leadership 101, if, right. if they're in an executive role and they don't know it yet, so it's a lot of leadership stuff, just in basic, like, not even strategies, more mindset or what kind of, give me a nugget that you, that people go aha to. Yeah. A, a lot of it has to do with the social disengagement. I think that was that oh, had yeah. in the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, you know, give, give you an example. I had a student in one of my uh, online uh, classes at an advanced leadership course. He asked me a question. I emailed him back saying, this is too lengthy a, a topic for me to answer by email. Call me on my cell phone and we'll talk about it. He emailed me back saying, I would prefer we don't talk uh, in person. I'd rather do it by email. Uh, I said, uh, and I, I sent him back a one word answer. No. Uh, and he yeah. never called me. Now, this is, this is a person that's going to be entering into leadership. So I, I think one of the things that I try to do is 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 make the point to individuals that you need to develop this level of self-confidence and yeah. it doesn't have to be technologically perfect so consequently that notion of fake it till you make it it Maybe. works it yeah. works you know the old saying don't if you can't um uh dazzle them with brilliance baffle them with bullshit i'm not suggesting that you do that but what i yeah. am suggesting you do is that look at we're having a conversation here i don't know what you were going to be asking me you don't know how i was going to answer guess what it, to me it seems like it's working all right so so consequently gain that self-confidence uh that you need to just to just try it break outside of that comfort zone Right. And, and and try new things, try different things and see what happens. Take risks in your communication. Mm -hmm. 
there's a famous quote that I a lot of people have this um this fear of what people think about them, right? It's 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 less on social media because people say what they want. But it's like, oh, what are they gonna think of me if I talk or if I make a mistake? And I keep reminding myself, well, that's in your brain. There's a famous quote that somebody told me once is people you'd care a lot less about what other people think about you if you realize how seldom they do. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. You know? I mean, the, think about it. The yeah. biggest problem with people speaking in public uh -huh. is they are afraid they're going to make a mistake. Yeah. I mean, I mean, stop already. It doesn't matter if you have a snot bubble coming out of your left nostril. Okay, wipe it off and keep going. People are concerned right. about what your content is, not how you look. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a funny world. I, can't, I, had, I have some um, ghostwriters who told me that. They don't want to talk. And to them, like, well, you're an introvert to the extreme. You're a writer. I'll let it pass. But in leadership, the whole essence of leadership has got to be based in communication, for gosh sakes. Yes, exactly. And it's got to, there's got to be this self-confidence that comes out. Right. I was blessed when I went for my master's in business. Uh, I, I mean, I, undergraduate, I was a philosophy and sociology major. I mean, uh, don't I laugh. Know. Don't laugh. We were all hippies in the 70s. Funny. Yeah, baby, there you go. That that was in the seventies. That was about nine years. Well, ago. I thought that was last. Oh. I thought that was last week. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, it's funny though when they when yeah, they took the off, there's a whole Costa Rica. Room. Come on, you could go play at the bars and on the weekends. You could do it. <laughs> you won't grow anymore. There's a hole. It looks like an eagle's nest. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I, when I started, uh, I, I I took a job right out of college as a juvenile probation officer. In three months, I had a knife. Um, uh, carpet cutter and a penis pulled on me. All right, I, I won't get into that without a couple of shots of Jack Daniels. But uh, the, the fact is, is that I, I knew I didn't like social services. I hightailed it back for an MBA. I had to take all my undergraduate prerequisites. So I sat in two classes the first semester, principles of accounting, which I found to be about as dry as rat dung, but I, I liked it though. Yeah. But it didn't have the sex appeal to me. Then I sat in economics. Well, here I am a philosophy and sociology major, social science. Yeah. Economics is a social science. Bam, fell in love. And I had a teacher, huh. uh, Dr. Howard Williams at Wilkes University. He's long dead. Uh, but that, I, I took so many classes with him and I audited his classes over and over and over again. And what it did is it developed a kernel of self-confidence so that I was able to speak. I started teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I, May 1982, I graduated with my MBA. September of 1982, I started to teach economics because yeah. of the yeah. self-confidence. That's the goal. And that's what I try to teach young executives, that you, you need to have this level of self-confidence. Don't necessarily worry about making a mistake. Right. Worry about doing the best that you can. People will forgive the mistakes as long as you have the passion and the intellect to back that passion. Right. And even if the intellect isn't there, a nugget will do. You know, you don't have to pontificate for an hour. I'm so lucky, Bill. I was, uh, when I was a young boy, I started doing magic. I had to be on stage at age 12. So I've always been very comfortable public speaking. Matter of fact, like those weird people who actually like it as opposed to whatever it is, 90% people would rather be, uh, you know, in the casket than delivering the eulogy. I yeah. love, I love speaking because I've, I grew up with it. So it's weird that people don't like it because it's really just, it's just, it's the essence of humanity is communicating. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I told you about my ex-partner. He was a magician, a magician. Uh, he disappeared oh, yeah? in sort of 400 grand. Uh, <laughs> Watch, watch your future disappear. Poof, gone. <laughs> yeah, well, it's part of our journey, part of our story. You know, I, I, I was responsible for my, my loss and my 
my collapse. You had a guy, you know, take it from you. So yeah. Right you here. Take responsibility for it. Yeah. Here's the blame right here. I let it go yeah. way too long. I should have stopped it earlier. Yeah. I didn't. But guess what? Two million dollars might be expensive tuition. It got me the position of Penn State. It got me to write 12 books. It got me to Costa Rica. You know what? Yeah. Life isn't that bad. I unfortunately I lost my family along the way, but life isn't that bad. I'm okay with it. Right. Yeah. Nice. And uh, you're a PhD, so doctor, doc, doctor. I should have called you a doctor. You're Dr. Bill. What uh, what's your what's your PhD? What was it on? What was the topic? Yeah, piled higher and deeper. PhD stands for right. Uh, I um, it's business administration with uh, concentrate. Believe the, the the major concentration was something called sales psychology. So I can I be a salesperson. I loved it too. Uh, yeah. you, know, you know, like, like lay on the couch, tell me about your mother and I'll tell you why you can't close a sale. Uh, that's really what it's Pretty about. much. But uh, a lot of my uh, research was on goal setting and self-motivation. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's, you know, over the years, everything just kind of coalesced to form yeah. what you're looking at right that's now. That's right. Right. <laughs> nice. I love it. Yeah. Um, have you ever read um, anything by Orrin Claff? No. Oh my gosh. I'll send you a link to his book. I've, I've read a, mm -hmm. like you, a lot of sales books, right? From the old days, the eighties and all stuff up until today. And I read pitch anything, uh, like six, seven years ago, he came with a book called flip the script and he goes deep into sales psychology. And the one story I'll share with you, I think you'll find fascinating. He, 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 he compares sales to a squirrel looking at a bag of peanuts on the ground <clears throat> where you're curious, but fearful. It's like, I'm curious about that, but it might get hurt. And it goes back to our Olympic brain of being both curious and risk adverse. And our job is to, you know, make it feel safe to go get the peanuts. It was a, he takes about eight pages to tell it, but a good storyteller, he certainly is. Very yeah. interesting. You, you know, I have a daily uh, motivation, uh, a daily membership called the five minute motivator. And I did something very similar to that uh, yeah. about some feral cats outside where I put some food out yeah. and they were afraid to go to it, but they yeah. are curious. Yeah. And eventually they went to it. They realized they were safe. Now I've got eight feral cats out there. <laughs> Are they still feral? <laughs> They're like, uh, did you name them? <laughs> yes, I named them. We took one in. We're going to take another one in soon. Then there's another one that's pregnant. Uh, but um, you know what? I like them outside because they kill the scorpions and the tarantulas. So it's okay. Yeah, that's good enough. All right. Beautiful. Wow. <laughs> um, what If you were going to give somebody a not five minute motivation, but like three key points or three takeaways for growing their business today give me give me your three best pieces of information or at wisdom well i i have to give you one on motivation because uh you know that i listened to an old tape years ago by a gentleman by the name of paul meyer and it was called who motivate who motivates the motivator right. ultimately it's self-motivation mm -hmm. all motivation is self-motivation so if yep. you're on in the top of your business or if you have a response profit and loss responsibility you are responsible for you all motivation is self-motivation. That's the first thing I would suggest. Mm -hmm. The second thing I would suggest is clear and concise communication using self-confidence as the basis. And the third is personal responsibility. You are in charge of you. Okay. Love it. That's the best. That, those are the best three bits of advice that I can give you. I love it. That is so powerful. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to read the book. So your, your favorite one of the 11 is the, the gold book. Uh, I think Gold's book is uh, probably the uh, the most enchanting one, at least for me it was. Okay, well, that's good enough. It'll be in the show notes here. I'm going to make sure I, I can put a link in the show notes below this uh, this call and uh, make sure people can get, get it. So is that on Amazon or where is it, Bill? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think okay. the uh, downloadable version is still on Amazon. Great. Um, All right. That's fine. Yeah. And okay. I, I, I would hope that uh, uh, your individuals would consider uh, the Five Minute Motivator. It's free. It's there. There's a free book uh, actually on on it uh, called High Octane Leadership. Oh, I like full that. Okay. Performance. And we'll it's a full book. Put that, that down there. Is that is that an Amazon link or is that on your website? Where is that? Uh, it. I, I, I'll have to send it to you. So let's yeah, do send that. Me link, send me a link to that. It'll be in the yeah. show notes below here when you're watching it, guys. But yeah, send me a link to that. Love the five-minute motivator. That's so fine. And uh, the YouTube channel is the repository. There's 300 episodes on Nice. YouTube. Okay, it, that's it, in the show notes too. Yeah. Everything's below us here. Look below. We got everything there for you. Download, learn, motivate yourself. Doug, I, I'm at the point in my life where my new vision is to make a ding in the universe by helping others make their ding in the universe. It ain't about the money. It ain't about we're the We're in the same boat, man. You know, we're about we're about the same age. And I was talking to people the past few weeks. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I've made money. I've lost money. Money's important, but someday I'm gonna be gone. And what, what are we leaving behind? You know, it's gotta be something, something positive. So yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that's what somebody's gonna say about me after I die is remember Bill Shaka? What a lousy guitar player. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I yeah, saw. Well, uh, well, maybe I'll come to Costa Rica and hear you hear it at the, at the bar. I want to hear that sometime. So, bring your guitar. After a couple of shots of tequila, everything sounds good. Yeah, I, I will not bring that one. It's been out of tune for a year, but thank you. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Shaka, a a very boring and and laid back uh, motivator and consultant that is just a delight to talk to. Check out his links below. He's a he's you're, you're a lot of fun. Thanks so much for being on the show today. My pleasure to serve. Thank you. Okay, you bet. And that concludes our episode of the Author Brand Show. Be sure to subscribe. Check out the show notes on Bill stuff. It's good stuff, and I'm sure you're going to appreciate it. This is Doug Crow. Until next time.